with Lori Horseman and Charlie McMahon. I'm Charlie. She's Charlie. She's Lori. And we are today in part two of looking at Dr. Caroline Leaf's five-step neurocycle for processing the stuff that happens to us. In their book, The Sacred Romance, the late Brent Curtis and John Eldridge write these words, the central belief of our times is that there is no story. Nothing hangs together. All we have are bits and pieces, the random days of our lives. Tragedy still brings us to tears. Heroism still lifts our hearts. But there's no context for any of it. Life is just a sequence of images and emotions without rhyme or reason. So what are we left to do? <clears throat> Create our own little story to line to bring some meaning to our experiences. Our heart is made to live a larger story. And having lost that, we do the best we can by developing our own smaller dramas. Look at the things we get caught up in. Sports, politics, soap operas, rock bands. Desperate for something larger to give our lives transcendence, we try to lose ourselves in the smaller kinds of stories. And Lori, I open with that to say this, the context for what we're going to talk about as we get to step three today of writing is that accepting my life is part of a bigger story. You know, the, the, old, the old play on history is his story. Your history is also his story in your life. And, of course, this podcast is in the context of a life of faith. You were talking earlier about Romans 12, too. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That verse comes after, here's how God has loved us all. Here's how he has paid the price for our flaws, moral flaws and failures. And now we're good to go. We're good to go. <laughs> he's taking care of the past. He's taking care of the present. He's taking care of the future. This big story. Now you're a part of it. And I say all that because I think I'm sure you you have a lot of experience and hundreds of people that you've ministered to and with. Uh, people who have no larger narrative. They, they, they don't have the benefit of. Uh, of being able to see that, yeah, this trauma is also why I'm also a compassionate person today. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that trauma was bad. It's never good. Childhood trauma is never good. But there's a bigger story. It's made you who you are. It is. And there's always hope when that right. comes. Right. There's always hope that the worst things can be redeemed and turned into, you know, our, our, our scars that's what becomes our stars. That's right. That that's that's what he that's what he uses to show his glory through us. It's really a remarkable narrative power in our lives. And um, when you look at that through your faith in Christ, when you look at that through now looking back, even where you started this journey with your dad, mm. how do you reflect on that? Because there's is a bigger story going on here. Your pain, your scars, became part of your stars. Yeah, and I didn't. You could not have told me that 15 years when I was going through this. That, I mean, that was a why me? Why is this happening to me? This isn't fair. Um, you know, there was all the emotions, all that reflecting. 15 years later, I'm realizing that I am using that pain, or God used that pain, and He used that situation, and everything I learned from that, all of that, those those broken roads, led me right to where I am, and I have become the missing piece of the puzzle in somebody else's life didn't even know what I was bringing to it. Um, like we were talking about those crossroads, those intersections, where I can literally look at somebody now and see 
myself 15 years ago, like, oh, I know what you're going through. I got you. But I would not have been able to do that had it not been for all that pain and that confusion and that just hating of the situation in that moment. Mm -hmm. But like I said, it'd be great if in the moment you understand where this is going. But if I can tell you that all you need is enough light for the step that you're on and that this is going to be used for something. Mm -hmm. You might not know what it's for. You don't have to know today. No, you don't. You, I think it would be overwhelming if you did, but just know that this has a purpose, that pain has a purpose, and it's going someplace. Mm-hmm. And even today, this day, I, st- I ran into a lady last week, and she was telling me about her father, and it wasn't a good relationship, and it's not this, and she's this caregiver, and I'm like, oh, I got you. I am right there with you. And I wasn't trying to fix it for her. I was just validating everything she was telling her. And like, listen, there's going to be a light on the other side of this. I want to give you two pieces of advice to hold on to because mm. I wish somebody had told me this when I was in the midst of it. Yeah. And there's the puzzle piece. Victor Frankl, you know, the famous Holocaust survivor who wrote The Man's Search for Meaning, you know, what got him through was meaning. Mm-hmm. It was a bigger, grander narrative going on that he believed. And, of course, it eventually reflected in his writings that are just to this day effect, uh, mm-hmm. impacting lives uh, to be able to transcend horrors like, like Auschwitz and and uh, concentration camps and I, we set that tone because it makes every bit of difference in the world whether you go to the bottle or the bible oh yeah for your narrative you know because the easy thing to do is to when you don't have a grander narrative where you say okay I'm going to pause I'm going to gather, reflect, and I'm going to trust. You're probably going to try to numb it somehow. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it's not always the bottle. Some people numb it by going to the gym. Some that's right. That's exactly by, right. You know, volunteering in 16 different places. So they don't have to address what's going on in their world. Yep. So my drug of choice was competition. That was my, that was for years I realized this is a drug. This mm-hmm. is to keep me from feeling. Yep. There's yeah. different things because now, if, and I'm not saying that going to the gym is negative. I'm not saying that right, my husband right. will shoot me, but I'm Nor saying that. Nor is a glass of wine. But That's it's not like a you negative. You can't reflect. That's, why are you doing it this mm-hmm. way? Yeah. So last time we said uh, parts one and two, the importance. Do a quick review here of step one: gather. Step two: reflect. Give us a synopsis of that in so case someone is one, picking up with step two. Uh, gathering steps up three what and four it is you're feeling, validating those emotions, recognizing that you're sad, you want to cry, recognizing that, gathering up the problem, if you will, and putting it into a box so that you can contain it, step back from it, not be all wrapped up in it, get out of the weeds for just a second, mm-hmm. put that problem into a box look at what it is and that way now it's controlled it's manageable and you can take a look at it that's gathering it up don't forget to do your box breathing so that you can now start to think with a clear head oxygenated brain is good brain Um, kind of control that stress you're going to take that negative stress and turn it into like a positive because we're going to basically take that same those that adrenaline and turn it into something that's a good thing And then the reflecting is asking yourself the hard questions. You know, why am I doing this? Why am I feeling this way? Have I tried suppressing my grief? Why am I suppressing it? You know, how do I feel right now? Am I embracing this pain or am I rejecting this pain? Am I acknowledging that this is happening to me or am I wanting to run from this? So you're going to do the deep, that's the deep dive. And like I said, probably take a couple of minutes to do that part of it. Um, And then comes the writing it all down. Yeah. So let's go to step three today. And it's right in the middle of the five steps. Write. And I'm fascinated by this because I literally switched from typing Mm -hmm. a journal on a laptop because of her writings. 
and I don't enjoy writing. I don't like <laughs> handwriting. I don't enjoy it. I just, I just, I just don't enjoy it. It's, it's cumbersome, but there's value in that. So let's talk Huge. about that. Now you've gathered, you've reflected now write it down. And this is a huge platform for you because you're really big on this writing thing. Mm -hmm. Why? So the act of paper to pen um, is basically, it's a five-step process that's working the brain. You are basically gathering up your thoughts. You have to organize them in the brain and you're gonna write them down. Now people are like, how do I start? Okay, the first way to start, just start talking on the paper. It can be a letter to God, it can be a letter to the person you're upset about, it can just be just ramblings. It doesn't have to be coherent, it doesn't have to be pretty, it doesn't have to have spell check, just start writing. The act of doing that now is you're pulling it back from the long-term and the short-term memories and bringing it forward. You're starting to bring up all those emotions and you're going to basically, we call it a brain dump or taking out the garbage. Mm -hmm. You're literally gathering up the garbage in the brain, putting it in this sack and putting it on this piece of paper. That's that's what the brain goes through that's is what that it's doing. is that action goes through your fingers and to out the paper. Onto that piece of paper. Mm -hmm. Then what you do and you everybody does this is you're reading what you're writing as you're writing it. So you're it's three ways you're pulling it out. You're thinking what you want to write, you're writing it and you're reading it as you did it. So it's a three you pull it out three times. So your brain literally is taking this mountain of a problem and diminishing it down to nothing. Mm -hmm. So the act of doing this allows you to basically rethink it for just a quick second. Then it allows you to organize what it is you're upset about. So you start pulling out the pieces in your brain, like not this, not that, keep, keep this, keep that. And you start pulling out those pieces of trash, if you will. Mm -hmm. And you start to organize your thoughts and then you start to process the pain. It's the process. You don't realize that writing it down, you're processing through this. That's the healthy part. Mm -hmm. That's the part you need to do. Typing it won't do it. It just doesn't. It I'm doesn't. It is not the same. It's not the same. Or verbally saying I suppose it's better than it, nothing. Yeah. yeah, yeah but, writing but it, it down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so they're probably, uh, at this point, if we could give a word, uh, a visual, there's probably no more critical moment than when those pages become tear-stained right. because they're the merging of an authentic... Ex embracing to use her and processing that now is going through our fingers through our tears that mm -hmm. that fall what does that do so when you get to a point where someone is it doesn't happen that often but i know for me sometimes there will be there will be uh what i've been going through lately uh, this morning actually i was writing some stuff down about losing rafa mm -hmm. and i didn't I didn't drop tears, but I could feel the tears welling up as even as I wrote that down, it became real. Mm -hmm. There's another way for it to become real that mm -hmm. Rafa's gone and he's not coming back. Um, if you're not a pet lover, you don't get it. But if you are, <laughs> you totally get it. It's painful. Um, mm -hmm. So when I was doing that this morning, what was going on in my brain? You were refeeling it. You were grabbing those pieces that you didn't want to in that moment feel. Mm. And now your brain was picking them out. You were literally going through and grabbing, this one needs to go, Charlie. This one needs to be addressed. Now let's talk about this one. Mm -hmm. So what it was doing is, because in the moment, we can't always deal with everything that's there. But if you don't deal with it, it's going to stay there it, until the next Organize and yes. release it. You organize it you and then you to. release it. Yeah. It's processing it out. It was really interesting because as I was trying to do that, then the next thing that came up was the loss of someone that I've invested heavily in. Mm-hmm. They're all connected. And then, and, and, and you know, it's funny that my dog being put down was then followed Triggered. by the loss of someone that, you know, I've invested so much in him. Mm -hmm. 
there's no way he knows how much I love him. Right. I've tried, you know, <laughs> but like that's, there's a bigger thing going on in my soul than my dog with right. that. And I didn't know that until I wrote that down. Because when morning. you went to grab that piece of information out of your brain, your brain's like, oh, and there's this one behind this that you have not dealt with yet. So mm-hmm. let's talk about this one. Okay. That's really important, I think. Yeah. Because we try to compartmentalize our brain and say, it doesn't bother me. I'm going to put it in this box and stack it over here. But then all those boxes are going to start to fall down when the next thing that would you would compartmentalize over there comes in. Yeah. So as you're starting to process the pain that you're feeling with your dog, here comes these other things that you have not really processed yet. So let's talk about it. This was probably the, the majority of the seven to 10 minutes of the five steps. Would uh-huh. you agree? Yep, I mean, I, I think, I, I, but I think it's even encouraging that you don't have to spend 27 no. minutes writing, nope. just getting it out on the paper. You don't have to solve all the problems. Yeah. You're yeah. just taking out the trash and you're going to have to do it again. That's a great image Yeah. that it, the, the trash is leaving your brain through your fingers it's gone. and the pen. Yeah. What can you change in your life? That's the next step is the recheck. So let's mm-hmm. move to step four. Yep. And she calls this, so we've gone from embracing and then processing, processing with gather and right now to what she calls reconceptualize. I go back over what I just reflected on, what I just wrote by asking the questions, what can you change in your life? What advice would you give to someone else if they came to you with this issue, which is what you were talking about earlier? What toxic patterns or habits are you noticing? What assumptions are you making in your thinking? Which one of those really stands out to you? And I want to say this, for long-term mental, emotional growth, health, and vibrancy, Mm-hmm. Which one? Which one of those that I just mentioned just really catches your attention? Look for your toxic traits. You're going to see a pattern right there. Yeah. That's the pattern you need to break. Okay. You've got a pattern going. And what I always tell people is when you're writing, you're going to go back and say, I keep doing this. I keep doing this. There's your pattern. Now change that. Check yeah. that. That's where this has to stop. And until you do that writing piece, because people are like, well, I'll reflect, but I don't want to write it. It's when you're writing it down, you go back and read. I'm like, I keep saying this all the way through. Dude, there's your pattern. Highlight that part. Mm-hmm. And then let's address that. Can you change that behavior? Where's that behavior coming from? Francis Bacon said something. He said, reading <clears throat> excuse me, makes a, a person full. Conversation makes a person ready. But writing makes a person exact. Organization. Is that it's organization, isn't it? You're organizing your thoughts. Yeah. So when you talk about recheck, we're talking about here maybe a minute or two. That's correct. It. Yeah, you're, you're just actually being... reading back through it. And what I would do, what I would tell people is when you read back through what you wrote, take a different colored pen and highlight where you keep seeing that same here it comes again. Yeah, that's there's good. my reaction again. That's a really good idea. It helps you to see where your pattern is. Mm-hmm. Now, this, the, let's go to step five because this one may be, it's, it's the action step where she talks about active reach. Mm-hmm. Active reach is now where you say, I'm going to grow. And for her, this is, I'm going to do a full 21-day neurocycle to see what toxic habits or traumas are causing this toxic stress in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm going to create a to-don't list instead of a to-do list because usually there are things we realize we need to give up. I'm going to, I'm going to ask myself, what can I give up? And I'm going to try to incorporate more thinking moments into my day where I switch off 
to the external and I switch on to the internal and daydream, I nap, I stare out a window, I let my mind wander. And uh, this one is really fascinating because this is where now I'm taking a responsive action to what I just processed. Mm -hmm. How do you do this? For Lori Horseman, you know so much about this. How does this work in your busy schedule? Um, so I had a tendency after everything happened with my mom and my dad and all that dementia, I would go very negative, very critical. And I realized that that was a toxic trait that I had to look at everything as very just critical, just angry at the world. So what I would do then is my active reach was I would train my brain that before when I was done journaling at the end of the night, I had to write down three positives. That's good. That's and an I, active reach, isn't it? Yeah, you're, you're changing a behavior. It. So yeah. rather than seeing it, it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm stuck in traffic again. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm stuck in traffic again. I'm going to pick this up and do this. Or I'm mm -hmm. going to listen to this podcast. So I would look for something that would normally have set me off and try to figure out where's the positive of that. And then I sort of look for the small details in life. Like when she says, just take a moment to let your brain kind of wander. Not like sitting at your desk and just wandering up, but she's talking kind of there about, what just happened? Did I notice? The, because there's all this stuff going on in your subconscious and all around you that, and I always say it's in your peripheral. It, you, you're not catching it. Mm -hmm. There's all this good stuff. And if we get so focused on the bad stuff, you're missing all the good stuff. We make so much of the unconscious mind and the yeah. conscious mind, but it's the non-conscious non mind is like, where, hey, where stuff's really happening. There's some cool stuff over here. Did yeah. you see this? Did you stop and literally stop and take a chance to look at how that gardener did this, this, and this? I mean, because you put a lot of detail on that. Are you taking the time to recognize that? Did you stop actually and smile at someone who looked like they could use one? Mm -hmm. Like we talked about. I make it a big point that when, you know, my kids even know this, I will purposely try to find the most cranky checkout person and see if I can flip her around <laughs> yeah, before I leave. Yeah, yeah. My kids are like, seriously, mom, kindness. again? I'm like, I'm going to do this. But <laughs> it's like good. it changed my critical ways of thinking. And it started to, I started to retrain my brain, like, we're going to do this differently. And I noticed that when I would write and journal at night, it got smaller and small, smaller on my gripe session and bigger and bigger on my wow sessions. Mm -hmm. This was a cool day. You know, it wasn't a good day, but it was an interesting day. And there was a lot of interesting, positive stuff I found in it. Positives might not have happened to me, but I noticed them. Okay, so, so she says for 21 days, if you were to, it, would this be accurate? So your thought was previously the non-conscious thought was i you didn't think this consciously but non-consciously what was going on was i'm going to look at things critically you wanted to shift that to i'm going to be thankful i'm going to be positive, going to be positive. Mm -hmm. so she says it's 21 days mm -hmm. for that to become a thought that you begin to embrace it has to become a conscious effort a conscious for for that to happen mm -hmm. but then she says and this is what is daunting and and that's this probably <laughs> ventures into the we we change under three conditions where we graced enough we get to we watch enough where we want to and other people or we heard enough where we have to that and i it. would say you're probably not going to stick it out for what she says requires 63 days of working the neurocycle before it becomes your body response to now, it's habitual now. I look at things positively. Mm -hmm. I don't look at things negatively. And I'm not Pollyanna. No. But I look at things positively. 63 days. And I love that. There's a part of that that I love because it's she's not painting any, oh, just 21 days to change your life forever. Whew, 63 days. And if you go through 
12 days and you miss a day, start over. Mm-hmm. She said the average is four days mm-hmm. before people quit. What is your reaction to that? That's the, okay, I, I 100% <laughs> I mean, yep. Yeah, there's a little bit about that that's, that's, that's it's, it's discouraging, but it's also, I love that realism. There's a Don't be that discouraged. Says, Understand that this is normal. It's going to take you. It's not about how many times you fall down. It's how often you get back up. Yeah, Keep yeah. So, so you, may, you may fall off the 63-day wagon four times, but you kept getting on, and two years, later, it. two years later, two years later, you did 63 days. Trust me, this is not an easy process. Yeah, Reframing, and that's what I like retraining, about it. this is hard, but the reward is amazing. You, you get the little wins, and if you want five days, celebrate the wins, start over, so you can go six the next time. Yeah. And yeah. don't beat yourself, because you can't beat yourself up over the process of trying not to beat yourself up. So it's one of those Say where, that again, because yeah, that's exactly what <laughs> people do. You can't beat yourself up over the process of not trying to beat yourself up. And that's yeah. what we do. It's like, yeah. well, I failed at this. I'm not going to do it again. It's like every diet starts on Monday and ends on Thursday, because here comes Friday. And it's like, I know. it's okay. And recognize that you're a human being, and you are a constant work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. Constant. Yeah. And then just, but see, my thing was, I started to laugh at myself. I started to like, okay, Lori, that's funny. You made it this far. You made it till nine o'clock before you had a critical thought. Yay. Maybe yeah. tomorrow it'll be better. That's exactly but you know, it. if you're staying in bed, you'll have a win because yeah. it won't be. But at the same time, like I said, set yourself attainable, reachable, smart goals. Don't, don't do this. Don't think I have to do 63. It's not going to happen like that. You know, like, how was, she also said it takes, what is it? You can go, uh, three weeks without food. You can go three days without water. You can go three minutes without air, but you can't go three seconds without using your mind. Yeah. So it's okay if you mess up. You're going to reset it. It's a win. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's not about how successful I'm being. Am I just taking the steps? Sometimes it's a step backwards. And it, it might be four it, forward. That's yeah, okay. and it might, exactly. Well, thank you, Lori. I, I love hearing this from your perspective. If you want to know more about this, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess by Dr. Caroline Leaf, you can get it on Audible to listen to it. You can also get the book. It's available through all the, the uh, mediums of a literal book and then, of, of course, digital. But uh, it's a lot. Really, Lori, this, this is, it, 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 it sets the table for a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about and reiterate and repeat and just pound in. And the essence of it is you're not a victim. Mm-hmm. You, you're not a victim of your genes. You're not a victim of your past. You can use your mind to change your brain. Yeah. yeah. Where your mind goes, everything follows. Everything follows. And until next time, she's Lori, I'm Charlie. We will see you on the Mind Hope Podcast.